grateful for this time together as we've been journeying through this book. And it's a, it's a book in the Old Testament that has so much going on. It has this powerful narrative of courage and boldness and, and risk and focus and faith. And this guy named Nehemiah has this dream to go back home to rebuild this wall and to take the city back for the Lord. And there's all types of courageous effort. And that's how I've known the book of Nehemiah as I've read it over the years. But, and let me go ahead and say this, and we're going there. We're heading that direction. But one thing I, I don't typically associate with Nehemiah is the prayers that are on display. And so we've been in chapter one. I thought we would be out of chapter one by now, but we've been in chapter one for the past three weeks. And I felt like God was just taking us deeper into this initial prayer that sparked the rest of the book out of Nehemiah chapter one. So if you have a Bible, hopefully you do. If not, we'd love to give one to you. You can grab one over here, uh, but we also have it for you on the screen. So turn with me to Nehemiah chapter one, and we're gonna continue to study this powerful prayer from this man of God named Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter one, we're gonna start in verse seven. When you get there, say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. eat. God, I pray that as we eat from you, God, we're hungry today. We need to eat from your word. We know that man doesn't live off of bread alone. God, we know that man lives off every word. Everybody say every word. Every word word that comes from God. So God, we need you to speak to us. And God, we know that when you speak, your word has the power to activate Activate me, God. Activate us. Join me in that prayer, church, to say, activate us. Activate us through your word, and we would see you clearly today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 7. If you're there, say, I'm there. So Nehemiah is continuing to pray, and he says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of, of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. He concludes in verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Now I was studying this this closing part and this closing prayer of Nehemiah and I realized there's something that he's hitting on in this second stanza, this second half of of his specific prayer that I want us to lean into, I want us to learn from, I want us to gain from this prayer today. We've been focusing on prayer the past few weeks, and, and praise God, I'm glad we're doing it. We're in 21 days of prayer. Uh, hopefully, you're, you're engaging, you're joining in. My wife, Nina, wrote a powerful devotional for today, right? If you haven't read it yet, don't read it right now. Read it after the sermon, okay? And go check it out, because it was a really great prayer point. I'm praying for a reputation that glorifies God. I, I, I want to go ahead and continue in this theme of prayer, because I don't want our church to just be a church that prays. I mean, that's a good thing to take time out to pray, but to be known as a praying church 
is the reputation that I'd like for us to have. God himself tells us that his house is a house of prayer. And I want to be a house that is a house where God dwells, amen? Amen. And there's nothing like a house of prayer. And so we're studying prayer. I'm a researcher of prayer, prayers that are effective, prayers that go into the inbox of God. Last week we talked about that. We talked about how to make it into God's inbox, not his junk mail. How to get God to pay attention to the prayers that we pray, not just to stop at the ceiling, but to go right to him, amen? And so we're going deeper into the prayer of Nehemiah, and I was struck by some of the words we see here on display. Let's look at verse 7 really quick, because it kicks off here with Nehemiah talking about himself and the people that he's praying for. He says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that commanded your servant Moses. Really what Nehemiah is taking us into is what I believe is a prayer of repentance. And this word repentance is sometimes seen as a, a bold, old, cold word. I mean, when, when someone says, hey, you, I got a word for you, what is it? Repent. It's like, <laughs> dang. It never, it never really hits you in a good way. It's just kind of like, dang, okay. But I want to I try to redeem repentance here in this sermon. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, The Art of Repentance. The Art of Repentance. That we see birth in Nehemiah's prayer here, the art of repentance. Why do I say that? Well, I title it that because I really, I'm a person who appreciates life and all the different nuances and facets of domains that people represent. Like like yesterday I was watching some college football and shout out to our UNLV Rebels. They were close to winning their first game, but we celebrate closeness for the Rebels, all right? We, 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 we take all the things we can get, all right? But, but do you know that there's an art to football? That there's an art to playing a sport? I, I, I was texting my bro Nate earlier. I was watching the tennis match yesterday. I was like, man, there's an art to tennis. There's an art to preaching. There's an art to prayer. There's an art to investing stocks. There's an art to, I was here on Friday night and I was watching our setup team set up the chairs. There's an art to set up. I was helping with the merch area and they were like, yo, yo, don't mess with the merch area. There's an art to this, right? And there's really an art to repentance. There's a, when I say art, there's a beauty to it. There's a, there's a system to it. There's, there's a makeup of it that is very special that I really think leads to effective repentance and it starts in prayer. And I wanna talk to you today using that word art as an acronym. So we're gonna look at A-R-T in the context of this prayer. So come on, one more time. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. As he says in verse seven, he says, first off, I want to acknowledge that we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments. Let me highlight those first three words. We have acted. What I see Nehemiah saying here is he's acknowledging that there's been a miss on his end. He doesn't even pray just for himself. He says, we as a whole have acted very corruptly against you, Lord. The A stands for acknowledge. When it comes to the art of repentance, friend, I wanna go ahead and encourage you with bad news. He's like, that didn't make sense right there. 
Here it is. Friend, you have to acknowledge you're a sinner. I'm gonna give you clear action steps to go with the point. Let me give you the first action step. Here it is. Acknowledge you are a sinner in need of a savior. This might sound elementary. You might say, man, I got that back in the day when I went to like Sunday school or something. Yeah, but you need to hear it again. This pastor needs to hear it again. Friends, you need to hear it again. That there's power in the acknowledgement that you may have drifted. You may be a lot like Nehemiah today, serving the cupbearer, doing his duty, not really a care in the world, and lost his acknowledgement. But here he says, God, because Nehemiah is about to ask for something big, something bold. But he says, I'm not going to do that before I acknowledge first who I am. He says, I want to acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Today, if you were to say to me, hold up, Hayden, you don't know my life. Don't call me a sinner. I would say, hey, look, I feel you. I don't, but God does. And he calls you a sinner. And don't make me pull my mailman hat out. I'm delivering the message that he wants to deliver to you, which is that you are a sinner. And it's important that you acknowledge that because failure to acknowledge that is deceiving yourself that you're something that you're not. Now, there's a lot more to the sermon. Don't check out on me. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says very clearly, I'll put it up here on the screen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. I don't know anybody who likes to be deceived. But you could be deceiving yourself right now saying you're better than something you're not or that you're more important than you are or that you, you, you are uh, so holy and righteous that you don't have sin in your life. The truth is not in you, my friend. If you posture yourself with a Phariseeism, elitist mindset that everybody else is below you, everybody else is more sinful than you, then you have deceived yourself and the truth is not in you. Now, I will say this. Other people may just sin different than you. But we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans 3, 23. And, and, and even for my brothers and sisters in the room today that are saved, that have acknowledged that they're sinful, that have repented and have turned away from their sin and put their faith in Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, do we still struggle with sin? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm going to go stay over here because I feel more relatable over here. Do we still struggle with sin? Yeah. Come on, do y'all, y'all got it all under control over here? Right? Like, listen, the, the struggle is real, but so is the gospel. Yeah. Right? And, and Jesus and his grace meets us in our place and says, you have a lot of sin. Well, I have a lot more grace and I have a lot of blood and I have a lot of power. And, 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 and if you would acknowledge that you're a sinner, we can get somewhere. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, there's this startling reality that should do something to us. The prophet Isaiah prophesies, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Dang. Because of your sins, he's turned away and has moved you into the junk mailbox. He has turned away and will not listen anymore. He, he hit unsubscribe from your prayers. Come on, have you ever had to hit the unsubscribe button? 
Come on, don't unsubscribe from 21 days of prayer. Keep those inboxes, (laughs) keep them on your inbox loaded right in front of you because there's so much to pray for. And God leans in and listens. But today, if you were to say, look, I'm not gonna acknowledge that I'm sinful. I'm not gonna acknowledge that. No, I don't agree. Friend, you're gonna stay in the unsubscribed area. You're gonna stay in the junk mail area. You're gonna stay cut off from God. The bad news to all those in the room or watching online that don't have a right relationship with Jesus is that you are cut off. How unloving would it be to to tell somebody that they're they're not if, if they are? But friend, you don't need to stay there. That this message, this, this bad news, right, can help you appreciate good news. It, it's really when you understand the bad news that you can say, okay, is there any good news? Like, I'm glad that the Bible doesn't end at Isaiah 59, verse 2. It's like, hey, walk church, your sins cut you off from God. It's because of your sins he's turned away and will not listen anymore. All right, so good night. <laughs> it's like, wow, that would really be bad. But I love how Nehemiah, even in his prayer, doesn't stop there. He, he, he continues. And in his continuing, he, he reminds us, he uses this word. Let's look at it. Nehemiah chapter one, verse eight. He uses this word. It's our word. It's the word remember. Let me just go ahead and highlight this word Remember, he says, but God, I know that we've sinned against you. I acknowledge it, but wait a, wait a minute. Let me remember. Let me even remind God of what he says. Can I just remind you of a scripture really quick? I just want to remind you, even though we're sinful and apart from Jesus, we're cut off. Romans chapter five, verse eight says this. It says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. So, so, in one, in one sentence, you're over here, cut off from God, removed. He does not want to listen to you anymore. But God says, you know what? I want to demonstrate my love for those exact same sinful people. I'm not content with them being cut off. I want to engage with them. He says, so here's how I'm going to demonstrate my own love. That while we were still sinners, while we were in that category of sinful, Christ died for us. While we were cut off, Christ died for us in in church. Listen to me. I want to help you remember that more. Nehemiah in his prayer, because Jesus is in every verse. Nehemiah is praying. He's saying, God, I want to acknowledge we have, we've been, we've corrupt. He says we've been corrupt. When was the last time in your prayer you were like, God, I've been a little corrupt lately. (laughs) Like we don't know all the details of what Nehemiah meant by that. (laughs) But he was doing some shady stuff. Him and the whole other people in the land too. But here he says, but God, remember. Look at this verse, verse eight. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Sometimes it's okay to remind God of the word that he spoke. Hey God, remember what you said to me? How you're for me and not against me? Remember how you said that you have a plan for my life and it's good? God, you tell me in your word in Romans 12 too that your will for me is good, pleasing, and perfect. It doesn't feel like that right now. God, help me see it, right? Remind God of his word because God is always gonna stay true to his word. He says, God, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. Nehemiah is saying, look, 
we're in that prayer. I noticed that Nehemiah takes a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter four when Moses had a conversation with God and God told Moses, if my people stop living faithful to me, I'm gonna scatter them amongst a whole lot of other people and it's gonna get bad. And that's where Israel was at thousands of years later. Right, Israel had been scattered amongst the Babylonians. Another group was with the Assyrians. And then the Persians moved in and started dominating all of the people. And then King Cyrus put this decree in place where the Israelites could then move back home. And, and, and Nehemiah is saying, this is all happening right now. And he's saying, God, I remember when you said this. I want to encourage you to remember the gospel. We need to remember the gospel walk, church, because I think every day we tend to drift a little bit away from it. What is the gospel? The gospel is that, number one, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. But number two, let me give you the second point. The second point is, as you remember, is that Jesus is the savior that I need. Let me just say it one more time clearly. Number one, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Ding! I've just remembered I have a Savior. Yes. I, I need to go through life remembering I have a Savior. That Jesus is the Savior I'm in need of. The most depressing thing in the world would be to go through life under the realization that I'm sinful and I don't know how to defeat it. I don't know how to overcome it. I don't know what's gonna happen to me in eternity. I'm just, I acknowledge that that's the case. That's not the art though. Move into the R. The R is to remember that you have a savior. His name is Jesus, that while you were a sinner, he chose to die for you. It wasn't while you were in church, cleaned up, Bible in hand, looking great, at charge group, 21 days of prayer, tithing. Then he said, I'll die for you. That wasn't the case. He died for you while you were at the club. He died for you while you were looking at things you shouldn't have looked at. He died for you while you didn't even know who he was. He died for you. It's, it's, it's this gospel. I think, that, I think that I've seen what's happened to me. I've been a Christian now for over a decade. I've this message used to wow me. It used to amaze me. It used to bring me to the altar. It used to bring me to tears. It used to encourage my heart. But the Pharisee in you begins to grow and then you lose track of the gospel. Then you start focusing on other people's sin rather than your own. Then you start focusing more on the, the things of this world rather than the things of the word. And, and I want to encourage you. No, no, we need the constant reminders like God opens the Red Sea, doesn't he? In the book of Exodus, the people of Israel cry out, God, save us from Pharaoh, save us from slavery, save us from bondage. Exodus 3 says, the prayers of God's people made it to his inbox. And God said, I'm going to respond and I'm gonna use Moses to do it. And here's what happens. He parts the Red Sea, he opens it up, he delivers the people out of slavery. He closes the water and he defeats the enemy. Amen. Right. And then what does he tell the people of Israel to do? Remember, remember what I just did. He even puts in place a feast and a holiday and a celebration called Passover. 
the time where God passed over the people's sin and opened the sea. For the Christian, he says, when you come together and a time of communion presents itself, remember the blood. He's trying to help us. He's trying to give us clues to remember what happened. And what's important is that we have a right view of God in our memory. And we remember the loving father that he is. I I recently was doing a podcast with a a pastor named Jared Wilson. And we were talking about the gospel. And and he said something that was so encouraging. I want to share some of it with you. And it, it, it was somewhat like this. And I'll put my own spin on it. But it's this reminder that every morning if you're in Christ... If you're a Christian, I'm talking specifically to you. If you're not a Christian, lean in too. But if you're a Christian, I want, I want you to hear this. Every morning when you wake up, here's what God's not doing. He's not sitting there by your bedside with a clipboard waiting to see how you do and perform today. If you do enough good deeds, maybe I'll love you. If you don't do enough good deeds, maybe I won't. And he follows you throughout the day. Huh, let me see how you do here. Let me see how you respond here. Up, oh, you blew it again. Up, oh, nope, not good enough. Wrong. When you go to sleep at night, he says he gives you a bad grade. Failure today. You didn't do it. You, you broke the fast. You didn't pray the prayer point. You, you didn't read enough. You didn't work enough. You didn't, your heart was bad. I saw that that is not the way that our God views you, Christian. The gospel is that when you're sleeping in the morning and, and you're about to wake up, God's, God's watching you. It's not with the clipboard. It, it makes me think of how I sometimes go into my boy's room before they wake up, if they don't wake me up first. <laughs> sometimes I'll like open my eye and they're right there staring at me. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, how'd you get in here? But sometimes I'll go in there and I'll just watch them. Let's just say my son Epaph, who's six, my son Asa, who's three, I'll just, I'll just watch him. Here's what I'm not thinking. If you throw that cereal today, right? If, if you blow it today, if, if you don't get a good report at school, if you don't listen to your mom, you're cut off, you're done. I'm, I'm not thinking that. When I'm watching them, I'm just thinking, before this little man does a thing today, he's already loved. Before he even says a word, I already love him. Before he even wakes up and thinks a thought, I'm already for him. I'll do whatever it takes to care for him, to provide for him. It, 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 regardless of the, the failures or the flaws, in, in those cases, it's just more need for me to love him and to walk with him. That's the heart of the Father for the Christian. It's not that you have to work hard to earn it. It's that in Christ, it's already earned. And so he lo- you're a son. You're a daughter to King Jesus. And, he, and he's not there with the clipboard. Testing you all day long, waiting to see if you're going to... We clap, but then we forget on Tuesday. We clap, but then on Thursday, we're like, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I suck. I suck. I just suck. I just can't do it. I fell again. God hates me. Who told you that? Who, who spoke that? Because the, the gospel that we remember is that, yes, yes, it's true. 
that you are a sinner and you need a savior. But don't just stop at the A. Move into the R. The R is that you have a savior. His name is Jesus. And we need to constantly remind and remember that he is there. He's faithful. His blood is sufficient. His grace is enough. Amen. I want to encourage you with that message today. Don't drift from it. Don't don't drift far from the gospel. Keep the gospel message the center of your marriage. You'll forgive quicker. Keep the gospel the center of your parenting. You'll you'll love better. Like your, your kid will mess up and say, I messed up. And then you can say, I mess up too. But, but my God forgives me. And, and because of that, I'm going to forgive you. Now, also, we, he doesn't just, he says, now stop sinning. <laughs> right, let's continue to get better. That's the art of repentance. Repentance is acknowledging I'm a sinner, remembering I need a savior. And then finally, we get here to this last point in the scripture. As we look at verse nine, Nehemiah says, but if you return, to me and keep my commandments and do them. But your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. This verse reminds me that repentance leads to redemption. That Nehemiah is reminding God, remember that you said, God, if your people are unfaithful, you'll scatter them. You also said if they return to you, everything changes. Let me, let me tell you what the T stands for. A is for acknowledgement. R is for remember. The T is for turn. The T is to turn. Right, the third step. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Remember he's a savior. And then T, turn to him. The greatest thing I could encourage you with today, Walk Church, is to have a continual lifestyle of turning to Jesus. It could happen at any moment. You could be in the car. You could be thinking bad things. Turn to Jesus. You could get out of the car. You could scuff your Jordans on the tire. Man, turn to Jesus. Somebody could slam the door in your face. Turn to Jesus. You spill your coffee. Turn to Jesus. You could, you could, you you got an assignment that didn't go through. Turn to Jesus. You missed the the game-winning shot. You didn't get even in the game. You, you got cut from the team. You, you, you look back at high school and you thought those were the glory years. What am I doing now? Turn to Jesus. Turn, you. You're in a car accident and your legs are cut off and amputated, George. You turn to Jesus. The, the, the pendulum. You're in a fight with your spouse. Turn to Jesus. You, 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 you miss somebody who passed away. I know. Turn to Jesus. This continual lifestyle of turning to Jesus will set you free. I believe that is the, the solution to depression. I, I don't think that depression is not a real thing. I believe it is real. And I believe that a spirit of depression is a very real thing that's a very real hardship to, to deal with. I'm sensitive to that. To those who wrestle with depression in here because the percentage is high, continue to turn to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not just trying to just give you a Band-Aid. I'm saying that you have a real Savior 
in Jesus who says, all who are weary and heavy. You ever just felt heavy? Just feel like I'm just carrying heaviness. Turn to Jesus. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I think in this season, we need to have more moments where we just are are acknowledging I'm a sinner. I just can't figure it out. But let me move into the R. I do also want to remember that everything that's happening is also working for my good. And that God is faithful. He's not surprised. While I was a sinner, he died for me. Three days later, he rose for me. For sure, he's going to save me and deliver me. I'm turning to him. That's the art of repentance. The, the, The art of repentance is not just turn and burn. I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people. Turn from your sin or you'll burn in hell. There's no art in that. It's very cold. I'm not saying that hell's not a reality. It is. But give me the art. Help me remember the gospel. Help me to remember that God's better than my sin. I acknowledge I'm a sinner, but I remember he's so good. David in Psalm verse chapter 42, when David was having a time of depression, you can read about David in the Psalms. Psalm 42, David was a man after God's own heart. He's close to God. In Psalm 42, he says, God, I don't even know where you're at. David even says, I used to go into the temple and I would sing worship songs. I used to praise you. These days, I don't even know how to sing. And then he says, but hope in God. For again, I will praise you. This remembering, this turning, God meets us in those moments, doesn't he? And he doesn't meet us with the, well, you better get it right this time. He already got it right on the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, believe him. Don't don't think that he's like, what if Jesus on the cross was like, it is finished unless Jefferson's again. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure, man. I just, you know what I hear Jesus say? He says, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. It's finished. A lot of times we're walking in sin we don't even know we're walking in. God, I just want to acknowledge sin that I don't even know I have in my life, but I'm sure I have it. But I believe I'm going to remember that you died for it. You rose for it. You, you are with me right this moment. And I'm turning to you by faith. That's the art of repentance. The word repent, it's the Greek word montaneo. In this beautiful Greek word montaneo, it, the definition of montaneo means to change one's thinking. It's to change one's mind. Because our mind determines our steps. What you think about matters. There's a proverb that says you are what you think. Right? So if you start to think differently, you start to think about this. A-R-T. You'll start to walk different, start to feel different. It's to have this change of thought that leads you to Jesus, not away from Jesus. I I love this quote from a revivalist pastor, Bruce Wilkerson. Wilkerson said it like this. Repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. It's, it's, okay, God, I'm going to change my, I'm going this way. Hold up. Mind shift. I'm going this way. I'm following Jesus. I'm changing the way I think. I'm changing the way I view God. 
He's a good father. He's a holy father. He's a loving father. He's close. And I'm turning to him. That, that's the message. That's the art of, somebody was clapping. I'm gonna clap with you. Whoever that was, you needed that. I needed that. That's what I wanna encourage you with. This topic of repentance is so helpful. We're gonna close in a, a song of worship and we're also gonna, we're gonna practice remembering. We're gonna remember through the elements, the body, the bread, the blood, the wine, in our case, the juice. It doesn't matter, it matters what it represents. And we're gonna practice remembering. And I would even encourage you to help somebody, just help somebody throughout the week. Hey, just I wanna encourage you to remember. It's gonna be remembering the gospel that's gonna lead you to turn from sin. It's gonna be remembering this good news that's gonna help you defeat sin. Not just put a band-aid on it, not just stop doing it in your own strength because I have to. That never works. You're not strong enough. Your flesh rages. The spiritual warfare hates you. You need Jesus. Turn to him, amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that apart from Jesus, we're sunk. God, I'm so thankful that we don't just have the A and the R, but we have the T. That it's not just I'm gonna acknowledge and remember, but God, I have the invitation to turn. God, thank you that you've invited us to, together to turn to you. God, I know positionally I'm sinless. I'm Positionally, I'm righteous. Positionally, I'm holy. But here on the ground, I struggle. In this life, I struggle. So God, I ask right now by faith that whoever in this room needs to hear this message, it's all of us, that God, we would respond the words of this message. Come on, I want to invite you to pray with me the art. If, if you would trust me right now to pray this. Believers, and if you're not a believer and you're ready to make this life-changing decision, pray with me right now. Let's pray it out loud. Just say, Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. In Jesus, you're that Savior. I confess you died for me rose for me. You've covered all my sin and all my shame. My past, my present, and my future covered by your blood. I believe and I receive you as my Savior. I turn to you today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit for all my days, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.